0: Well, hasn't our journey of encouragement through Joshua Joshua, been so wonderful? Oh, I have thoroughly enjoyed it. And we're going to have another really great day today. And Riley is going to be speaking this morning. Let me wipe it off for you, man. Get all my cooties off. Well, Riley, can I pray for you? Well, Lord, we thank you so much for Riley. We thank you for his heart. We thank you for um, just the blessing that he has been to our community. And God, I thank you for what you've placed on his heart for us this morning. Would we hear you, Holy Spirit, through, uh, through Riley. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Um, uh, That's exciting. I want to share a story with you guys. So in my first year, uh, when I first came to Summit, I moved from Winnipeg. Uh, shout out to the prairies. Thank you. I'll give it for myself. Yep, good. Uh, and when I came, I did Omega. And that year, we went to Southeast Asia. We did go on our trip. Um, it was great. Uh, sorry, Jace. Um, but, but, but let's get to uh, the bad decision I made on that trip. Um, my team went to the Philippines, and we did ministry there. And every day, uh, life in the Philippines was pretty much the same. We'd get up. We'd go to a ministry center in this community, and we'd just hang out with people. And I really thought we'd be doing more VBS, more things like that. But the reality was a lot of our ministry was just living life with them. And it was crazy what the Lord taught me. And I'm so glad that I made the decision to go on that trip and and to go through Omega and do that. And it it truly did change my life. But on that trip, I made somewhat of a dumb decision because, from a good place, from a good place, I noticed a little disconnect forming between my team and, and the Fili- Filipino kids that we got to hang out with every day. Because as we were leaving the ministry center, you'd like leave this room, go out this door, and we had a little mudroom with all our shoes, and then you'd be out on the streets. Um, and it was a poor development, so the streets maybe weren't the cleanest or the safest. Um but I noticed that my team, we'd stop, we'd all put on our shoes, and then by the time we got out to the streets, all the kids were off playing games already, doing their own thing. They already made teams, they already had a dance going. And we sort of missed out on that initial joining in on the fun. And so I just thought, the only logical thing to do is to stop wearing my shoes running on these streets. Um, and it was fine for a little while. It was great, super fun. I just didn't put on my shoes all the time. I did put them on when we went on walks, okay? Like, I was a little smart, but when we were just playing in the field or on the streets with whatever was there, um, I just didn't put on my shoes. And so I was fine in the Philippines, okay? I made it through Southeast Asia. Um, Other people had some issues, and it made me scared. that I was like, maybe something's happening to my foot that I don't even realize. Well, it was. Uh, When I got back to Canada, um, I noticed that there was, like, a blister on the bottom of my foot. And I was like, I'm sure it's fine. It's nothing. I sort of have a fear of the doctor, so I didn't really want to go. I was worried it was going to be life-threatening or they have to cut off my foot. So I didn't really think much of it. And it was just a blister. So like, this is good. We don't need to worry. And then as I went back to Winnipeg for that summer, I noticed that my foot really started to hurt. And it got to a point where I was like, like I had to walk different on the side of my foot um, so that I wouldn't step on the blister or I sort of had to do like, this really gentle placement of my foot so I could keep walking. But I played it off well because no one actually really knew about it. Um, I told my parents like months later at this brunch with our family friends. I don't know why I shared that story there, but I did. Um, And no one knew about it. So I thought I did a good job. But the reality was like this blister, um, it didn't just go away naturally. One night I did some DIY surgery because enough was enough. Yeah, I'm not proud of this moment, Would I have made the same decision in the Philippines? 100%. It led me here. We learned. But I did some DIY surgery at 1.30 in the morning because I was just exhausted of this blister. Um, And I had to get rid of it. So I took tweezers and some little scissors and I cried and I prayed. I was a good Pentecostal. Thank you. Um, But what the reality is with that story is that that blister, that thing was there for too long. I should have dealt with it a long time I should have gone to the doctor before. I should have, like, I literally know so many nurses. I could have just been like, what is this? And they could have helped me. But the reality is I didn't do any of that. And I kept it to myself and I kept it secret. And I lived with that pain for months, actually. It was a long time. Um, It was so dumb. It was so dumb because what was, what shouldn't have been there had been there for too long. And that's what we're talking about today. Today, we are talking about Joshua 7. And in that chapter, we're talking about Achan's sin. And specifically, we're going to talk about repentance today. I know it's a heavy one, but I'm excited to dive into it. And so let's pray one more time. Um, Jesus, thank you for this morning. And thank you that it's sunny and we get to be here today to learn more about you and chase after you. And Father, I just ask right now. Father, I just ask right now, Spirit, that you will speak to us so clearly. And that you will open up the areas of our lives that have been there for too long and the things that you are working through and refining in us. And Father, I pray that we will know that out of your perfect love, you make us new and that you welcome us with open arms. And so Lord, we do this all for you. We love you. Amen. So the context of Joshua 7 is like Jen shared last week. The Israelites just walked around Jericho. They did their thing. They defeated it and they're moving on to the next stage. And in this stage, they have to go defeat some enemies. And spies go out and the spies are like, this should be easy money. No worries. We can easily defeat them. Um, But what happens is the Israelites all of a sudden get defeated by these enemies that were a lot smaller and not as strong as the Israelites. And something isn't connecting here. And Joshua is actually really angry and, and trying to figure this out. And so we're going to start reading in verse six, and this is Joshua's response to the Israelites getting defeated. And it says, then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. And the elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan, Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? The Lord's response. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They've taken some of the devoted things they have stolen. They have lied and they've put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Go consecrate the people. And in the NLT, it says, Or the message, purify your people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. So, what happened was before when after Israel defeated Jericho, God said, Do not take any of these devoted things, this gold and the silver, because this is mine. And if you take it, you will be going against my commands. Sure enough, one of the Israelites, Achan and his family, take these devoted things and hide them in their camp. And because of their sin, Israel is now being defeated by enemies that they should easily have been able to defeat. And so the first point we're talking about today, when we're talking about repentance, is that sin destroys. The reality is that when sin is in our life, there is destruction. There is destruction for us, there is destruction for others, there is destruction in our relationships, our relationship with God. Sin brings nothing but death. And like Achan and his family, the sin that we hold onto and hide in our lives will create roadblocks. It will re- create roadblocks to the move of God, and I'm not saying that God is not strong enough to go around that, but the reality is he uses us and he calls us to things. And when we hold on to sin and create those roadblocks, we will stand in the way of what God is doing. And I I feel like we talk about sin a lot, and I feel like we know that sin is destructive, and we know that it brings death, and yet we become dull to the truth of that because sin is so present in our world. And so when we're talking about sin destroying, I just want us to remember the reality that sin is missing the mark from God. It is everything that's not of God and God is life, and he is love, and he is perfect. And as I was studying this, I was reminded at the weight of sin. And the reality is that when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, something miraculous happened, that sin was defeated so that we could come into the presence of God, that what was destruction could now be transformed into life as we are renewed through the power of God. And so our second point is that repentance leads to victory. Because the reality is when we sin, our response should not be to hide things, but a response needs to be repentance, coming before God, being honest with him, knowing that what Jesus did on the cross was real and it was powerful and it actually meant transformation for us. And so like in our story, when Joshua was obedient uh, to what God placed in front of him, because God told the Israelites after the response to go and and eradicate sin from your camp, to cast lots, to find out who sinned, so that they could push the sin out of their presence, be obedient to God, and get back on track for what he had for them. And that when Joshua and the Israelites were obedient to that, it led to the victory for Israel, that they were able to defeat their enemies and move forward with God's plan. And so we need to hold on to the truth that repentance will lead to victory in our lives. That in the own things we are struggling with, the things that we are hiding, the shame we feel, the guilt we feel, whatever that may be, there is victory promised for us. That when we come before the Lord and we are honest and we repent, there is victory. And I want us to remember that victory is not a feeling and it's not a circumstance. But victory is actually the assurance that what Jesus did actually happened knowing the truth of who Jesus And so I just want us to take our view of victory, not from our own emotions and our own moments, but actually from scripture and from what Jesus spoke. I have to remind myself that all the time. and I've actually been called out on that so many times recently because it's so easy just to think about, oh, well, once I get here, once this happens, once it looks like this, I'll be victorious, then I'll feel good. Then I'll be able to do whatever God's placed in front of me. But the reality is when we repent, it's not a comfortable feeling. It's awkward, it's weird, it's going against our human nature, and yet there is victory in those moments. And even if that was it, even if that's all that repentance led to, it would still be worth it. But the reality is there is more because repentance is good and Jesus gives greater gifts than we could ever realize. Our third point today is that repentance leads to hope. The gift is, with the Bible, that we get to see God's grand narrative. And so when we hear this story in Joshua 7, we hear the story of a man, Achan and his family, who were stoned to death because of the sin that they brought into Israel. And that to be obedient, uh, they had to eradicate the sin. And where Achan and his family were stoned, that place was called the Valley of Acre, which means the Valley of Trouble. And later on in Scripture, we read from a prophet, Hosea, Uh, that is prophesying to the Israelites. Let me just see if I can turn there. Um, Yeah, he's prophesying to the Israelites. And at this point, he's sharing this message from the Lord because the Israelites, again, are running from God and and throwing themselves all over the place. But Hosea is calling them back to God. And specifically, at one point in chapter 2, this is the Lord speaking to Israel. And the Lord says, In verse 15, there I will give her back her vineyards. When she comes back to me, I'll give her back her vineyards and I will make the valley of Acre a doorway of hope. That the valleys of trouble in our life, that the sin that uh, built up and the things we held onto, the things we're ashamed of, the blisters on the bottom of our feet that we don't tell anyone until we've dealt with or whatever, the things that we don't wanna bring into the light, the things that we should have dealt with long before we came to Bible college, the things that we're struggling with right now in this moment do not have to state death and destruction, but through the power of the Lord can be transformed to doorways of hope. That when other people will look at our lives, they will see the move of God through us. We'll be able to share our testimonies and those situations that we walked through and people will see the hand of God. They won't just see our mistakes and our problems, but they'll actually see the love of Christ and the renewal and the forgiveness that happened through the cross and the resurrection. Repentance leads to hope. And I think that as people who want to be in ministry and be a part of the church and represent Jesus across this world, we need to be bold in that that we actually need to allow God to transform us and heal us through repentance so that we can share our testimonies and our situations and allow them to point others to Christ. I think it's so beautiful. And I know that, um, I know that it can be scary and it can be awkward. But I think that there's so much life and truth in it. And I think the importance is because like the words of Jesus says in Matthew, it says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. And I know for myself that I I want to see God at work around me, at work in my life, at, at work through me and in me. But clearly Jesus is saying that to be a disciple, there needs to be a purity of heart that if we are saying that we are disciples of Jesus and we want to follow him and pursue him and continue to journey with him, knowing what we see in scripture, there needs to be repentance so that we can be transformed, see victory, bring hope, but also live with a purity of heart so that we can see God at work in our lives. And and this also matters because Jesus is on the move. His kingdom is coming all around us. We see in scripture in Revelation, uh, I love Revelation chapter 22, verse 20, uh, because it declares that Jesus is coming and our response needs to be, Amen, come Lord Jesus, not Amen, come once I deal with these things. The time is now to actually step up and bring our hearts honestly before the Lord and allow him to transform us. We need to come in repentance so that we do not continue to be defeated by the things that should not defeat us. Because the reality is we are not functioning on our own power, but we're walking with Jesus. And we are traveling through life with Jesus who defeated death. We need to remember that. I know uh, (laughs) for myself, repentance has been quite a journey. Uh, And I came into Summit, like I shared, I did Omega. And that year, yes, great choice, changed my life. It also revealed in me a lot more brokenness I had than I thought. And I realized that there was a lot more things to work on that I thought I had before. And my time at Summit has been a lot of allowing the Lord to open my eyes to the things that I was hiding and I didn't even know. And as he did, I learned how to repent and I learned how to come to him. And I realized that for years I allowed shame and sin and brokenness to define me and shape me and build things in me that I didn't even know were bad because it was just so present in my life. But the Lord took those and he renewed it and he worked in it. And it was a lot of work and I cried a lot and I, I went to counseling. Come on, we love counseling. But the reality is that I, I'm proud of myself because when the Lord pointed those things out, I walked closer with him. And I can point out the moments that I saw the change in that. And it wasn't by my own strength. And it wasn't by what I did. But it was actually through repentance. I remember uh, <laughs> the first moment that I truly realized that I needed to bring myself honestly before the Lord. It was in, my, it was in 2021, 2020. It was at Missions Fest and they were talking about confession. And I was in a session with Graham and Jace and they, and they got us to come together and confess and repent to one another things that we were holding on to. And I was so scared because I felt the spirit was like, Riley, I've been doing this work in you. I want to transform things. I want to make things new. Do not be ashamed because I am renewing you. I'm bringing love. And so I was like, all right, I'll share. And I shared with two people that I really look up to. And that moment it was, God met me there and I don't remember any conversations. I don't remember anything else from that day. I just remember being obedient and the Lord transformed something deep in me that only he could have done. And it started this journey of healing where I be, began to be obedient to actually what he placed in front of me. And, and it changed so much. And throughout that, he continued to call me to, to be honest with people and share my story and share things that I've walked through and the ways that he's healed me and the way that he's, he's pointed out um, the sin that I've hid and the way that he's transformed it. And as I shared those things, I started realizing that, that when I shared them, people weren't disgusted and like, oh my word, I can't believe you dealt with that. That's kind of disgusting. But they saw it and they just saw the work of the Lord in my life. And I was amazed at what God was doing because I was like, this has nothing to do with me, but everything to do with God. That when I'm obedient to the work that he's called me to, it points others to him. And so I'm actually going to call the team back up at this point, And you guys can start playing because I think that the reality is a message of repentance is not good unless there's a moment to repent. And so we're going to move into a time uh, where we get to do just that. And I want to be clear that I don't want us to facilitate a moment of emotions and I don't want us just to respond out of the feeling like oh well we have to do this we have to do this but I actually want us to honestly come before the Lord knowing that sin destroys knowing that repentance leads to victory that it leads to hope and that the blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God knowing the truth of scripture and in that I want us to respond today And so what's going to happen is the team's just going to start playing uh, and they're going to be worshiping, uh, leading us in song. And I'm just going to invite us uh, to join in with them. Uh, And as we're singing, I just want us to ask the question, Lord, what in my life needs to be transformed? What sin have I been holding on to? What sin is hiding that you want to make new? And maybe you already know. Maybe you're already thinking about it. Maybe you're feeling like I've been calling you out this whole time. It's the Lord, not me. Um but I just want us to respond how we need to. And if you don't know what that looks like, I would start with actually speaking out loud enough, just loud enough that you can hear it and saying, Lord, I'm sorry that I've done this. I'm sorry that I've held on to this and allow him to speak to you. And if there's a moment where you're feeling shame and guilt, uh, just rebuke those lies because the Lord meets these moments with love. I think of John 8 where uh, uh, the adulterous woman was thrown before the Lord and he didn't cast judgment, he didn't throw a stone, but he said, go out and sin no more, that he saw her, he recognized her, he cared about her. And then there was releasement and there was newfound life. So we're going to start with that right now. And so I'm just going to ask us to stand, um, to worship, to pray and stand before the Lord. And then I'll come back up in a few minutes. keeps playing, I want to transition us into this next part uh, where I truly do believe that when we speak out the things that God is doing in our life and the things that God is doing in our life, something happens because as we draw close to the Lord together, he moves. And as we're honest and we're real before him, he speaks to us. And so I want to transition us into a time where we actually get in groups with people. And I would challenge you to get with people who who you know a little bit so that you can be honest and real. And I want us to repent together as the body of Christ to edify one another, to remind each other that we're all human. We all make mistakes, but ultimately we serve the greatest God that loves us and cares for us and is moving in our lives. And as someone uh, shares in your group, just pray over them. Pray over life. Pray... Uh, that they will cling close to God because the enemy takes those moments where we're so open and tries to tear us back down. And so like the Israelites in Joshua 7, let's be the body of Christ that eradicates sin in our lives, that works together to pursue godly living and to live in the victory and the hope of Jesus. And so I'm just going to release us to get in groups now, to repent with one another um, and to pray over each other.